You are listening to episode number 59 of the Unfolding Words podcast. Walk This Way, What Jesus is Walking Teaches You About Your Purpose. My name is Antracia Moorings, and welcome to my weekly podcast where I share biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. I just want to say thank you, first of all, for all of the great feedback that you gave me on the guest for the one year anniversary. It was really fun having everyone on. And I have a review from FishyWishy09 who said, your podcast is so appropriately named. I'm enlightened and encouraged after each episode to dig a little deeper into the word. Seeing you expand with guests is just icing on the cake. Thank you so much for that review. And although guests won't be a regular, I will be working guests into the podcast in the future in some way. So stay tuned. And if you'd like to leave a review, you can do so on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It really helps others decide whether or not they want to listen to the podcast. So thank you for that. So now let's get into this week's podcast. Growing up, I used to hear this song sung at our church. It was called Traveling Shoes. I grew up in a small Pentecostal church in Northern California in the Bay Area. And I never understood this song. I was like, why is there a need for shoes if you're traveling to heaven? Like, what is the purpose of these traveling shoes? But clearly, I was missing the larger point of this song. So when you look at the scriptures, it's clear that shoes are needed, both spiritually, like a metaphor for traveling shoes, and physically, because God calls us to be pilgrims and wanderers in this world. But not just because we're on our way to heaven, but because he has a goal for us down here, and that's to spread his glory. And you cannot do that if you're standing still, thus the need for traveling shoes. Now, the word to us, that word pilgrim is foreign because we don't usually use that in our everyday conversations. We usually associate it with history books, and it brings to mind those pilgrims who came over on the Mayflower. It's just not something that's a readily accessible metaphor in our minds. And it's hard to identify with them. But the truth is, is that we are pilgrims and wanderers in this world. First Peter 2 and 11 says, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And the NIV version says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So we see that we're strangers and pilgrims and we're foreigners and we're exiles as we travel in this world. That's how we are to think about ourselves. And we're not just foreigners. We're on enemy turf. Our identity should not be derived from this world, but from our relationship to God and his people. We are a people group that is bound for heaven. This is how Abraham started out his life. He was a pilgrim and a sojourner in enemy territory. God called him out of his own land to a land that he would show him. And when he got to that land, we see in the book of Genesis that it was already inhabited by another people group. Now, Abraham, as a pilgrim, he didn't get attached to the country that he was passing through. He had a destination in mind. And as a pilgrim, we have to look forward to a destination that we're getting to. So as a pilgrim, if you pass through a scenic area, you'll enjoy the beauty of that place, but you won't decide to move there. If you stop at a nice hotel, you don't start hanging up pictures and settling down and changing the decor because you know that you have a transient mentality and that affects how you live on that trip. Hebrews 11 says, 
Verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in a land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is God. Now, if you look at the life of Abraham, he does a lot of traveling. And it's not just because it was the culture of that land, but the scripture uses a lot of details to explain that Abraham was on a journey. And this is key because details are never included for nothing. The fact that Abraham was on a journey is significant. And he visited about 17 locations during his time in the promised land. Now, the land of Canaan would be the inheritance of Abraham's descendants. But as I mentioned early, Abraham would only be a pilgrim there. It has been said of Abraham that one could trace his past by the altars he built. And another writer stated, it is often said of Abraham and the patriarchs that they built altars to the Lord. It is never said they built houses for themselves. So Abraham was a wanderer setting up altars to establish the worship of God on enemy turf with his eye toward a greater promise. It was a precursor to the life of Jesus, which includes loads of references to him walking this earth. Now, walking is not what most people do, especially not in California where I live. It takes too much energy and we tend to take the path of least resistance. So here in Southern California, we drive pretty much everywhere. We take escalators or elevators to avoid the stairs. This may be true of you too. We often park our car as close to the front door as we can to avoid taking those extra steps. Walking is just not built into our culture, but the New Testament is full of references to Jesus walking. So why did Jesus choose to walk everywhere? Have you ever wondered that? I know I have. Of course, it's because they didn't have modern transportation like we do, but there were other modes of transportation. Jesus briefly rode a borrowed donkey. We see this in Mark 11, and he went on a few journeys in small fishing boats. But other than that, Jesus walked everywhere. And we're going to look at walking as a very powerful metaphor that we can adopt to challenge ourselves about our life, our ministry, and our Christian lifestyle. So Jesus filled the earth with his glory as he walked this earth. And the book of Luke gives us some very interesting insight into the nature of Jesus and his group of travelers that came along with him. And at one point in time, Jesus was on the move continually. And it says in the book of Luke chapter 8, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. That verb, traveled, is translated as the Greek word dioduo, which means to go travel through or go about. And it's in the imperfect tense, which carries the idea of continued action in the past. He didn't just travel from point A to point B and then stop. He was continually on the move. And Jesus' action is expressed by another verb, caruso, which means to announce, make known, by a herald, to preach and proclaim, or to evangelize, which means to bring or announce the good news. Jesus made known the good news as he walked. So can you imagine how exciting it must have been to see Jesus walk into your village with his followers? The farmers would have left their fields. The women would have stopped their work with the food and the clothing. The children would have abandoned their play toys and they would have gathered around to listen 
to Jesus, this famous visiting teacher whose reputation came before him. Now, many of these villages, there was not a building that was large enough to hold Jesus and his disciples and all the crowds that would gather because of him. So Jesus would teach outside in the fields, on a hillside so that everyone could see him. And he would do wonderful miracles, healing the crippled, healing those whose minds weren't right, and he would restore them to their right minds. And Jesus would speak of the kingdom of God, not as a faraway place, but as a very present and powerful reality. It was real and up close and a tangible, powerful force that the people could see right before their very eyes. And Jesus is walking brought the glory of God to the people. Something as simple as the act of walking brought the glory of God to the people. Now, in the book of Luke, Jesus is taking a journey to Jerusalem. And often Luke is called the travel narrative because of all the traveling that Jesus does. So in Luke chapter 9, from about verse 51 through Luke chapter 19 to verse 27, this is the travel narrative or Jesus's journey to Jerusalem. He makes it known that he's on his way to someplace very specific, which is his crucifixion in Jerusalem. Verse number 51 of Luke 9 says, when the days were approaching for his ascension, he was determined to go to Jerusalem. So in Luke, Jesus heads towards Jerusalem, but he doesn't arrive there for another 10 chapters. Jesus doesn't head there, but instead moves around from place to place, walking here and there. And Luke repeatedly reminds the reader that Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And I'll list these verses in the show notes so that you can reference them. And he was passing through from one city and village to another, teaching and going on his way to Jerusalem. So these 10 chapters of the travel narrative contain many of Jesus's most famous parables, but they also contain many memorable stories, including the meal at the home of Mary and Martha, the healing of 10 men with leprosy, and the story of Zacchaeus. And it's here that we see God's love for the lost and the outsider. God's glory is spread among the world's most unworthy. And at the center point of the travel narrative is chapter 15, Luke chapter 15. And it's the parable of lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son or the prodigal son. And these stories demonstrate God's great love for sinners and his desire for them to be restored to him and the free forgiveness, the free gift of forgiveness that's available to those who come to him and repentance and faith. And then the climax of this travel narrative is the story of Zacchaeus. This is Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 11, where a chief tax collector responds to Jesus's call. Now, in this time, tax collectors were hated as traitors because of them siding up with the Roman rulers and the reputation for extorting money from the people. So a chief tax collector who oversaw other tax collectors would be viewed as the worst of the worst. But when Zacchaeus responds to Jesus's call, Jesus states, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Now, this statement alone epitomizes Luke's central theme with the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, God's end time salvation has finally arrived, and it's available to all who respond in faith, no matter what their past life, their social status, or their ethnicity is. Jesus is traveling to bring his glory to everyone, even the most hated sinner. Now, we already know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and that he was raised in Nazareth because he's often referred to as Jesus 
of Nazareth. So obviously Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, which was around the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus frequently traveled by foot to Jerusalem to go to the feast or the holy days and the temple. That was about 65 miles, all done on foot. And that would take at least three days to walk. And so he must have passed through several cities and villages on the way. And he was not even afraid to enter Samaria, as a lot of the Jews were. We see this in John chapter 4. Jesus wanted to bring his glory everywhere. So Jesus was on his pilgrimage to Jerusalem, but he had a greater city in mind, just like just like Abraham. He was spreading his glory through the earth. And as he touched and healed, he was taking territory for God. So think of Abraham when he was establishing those altars in Genesis. He was setting up God's glory in a land inhabited by enemies, by the Canaanites. And this is the same thing that Jesus does as he walks and heals. He's taking territory for God by spreading his glory through the earth. So the question is, do you have on your traveling shoes? Are you walking the way that Jesus did to spread his glory throughout the earth? So implicit in this definition of walk is to walk on a journey or to walk out a lifestyle or customs. So are you walking out a lifestyle of sharing God's glory? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. God does not only want us to live in his glory, but we're to spread his glory abroad. God's glory is not only to show in us, but it's to show through us. This is what is meant by go ye into all the world in the Great Commission. So how easy will it be to reach people for Jesus when they see the glory of God in us and in what we do? The world needs to see that you are living in the glory of God and that you're willing to be able to share it with people. Now, you don't have to do this by preaching a sermon or banging them over the head with the gospel. You do this by living a life that's worthy of the glory of God. Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The clear commission of Christ for every single disciple, that's you, is to make disciples not just generally in your area, but of all nations. So regardless of where you live, how, your li- how is your life going to impact every nation, tribe, tongue, and people in this world? You may think it's impossible. You may think I live in a small town in Midwestern USA, but you are still called to the Great Commission. God wants his will to be accomplished through you as you walk about in your daily life. The Great Commission is a personal commission. It's a personal call to walk through your world and spread the gospel. You can do this by praying passionately for God's kingdom to come, for his glory to fill the earth where you live and abroad. And you can pray deliberately for the nations to be reached and specifically for the unreached people groups of the world, including those in your city. You can also give, give to those missionaries who are going to places where the gospel has not been preached. It's our job to share the Great Commission. So if you're not going, you can plant a seed in someone who is going and encourage them. Remember, it's not just where you walk, but it's how you walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord so that his glory will shine forth through you. You are not here for your purpose, but you're here 
for God's purpose. So walk the way that the Bible instructs. That's your purpose, to walk in a manner worthy that the glory of God is able to shine through you. I pray that you were encouraged by this week's episode. If you were, please drop me a line and let me know. You can email me at antracia at unfoldingwords.com. And just a reminder to subscribe if you haven't already. I drop a new episode every Monday. And if you want to connect with me, you can reach out to me on Facebook and Instagram at Unfolding Words and on Twitter at Unfolding underscore Words. Be sure to check out the show notes for scripture references and links. And I will be back here next week sharing more from God's word. Until then, I pray that you have a blessed and glorious week. Until next week, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.